Good morning, and you are tuned in to The Image Show on 98.3 The Vibe. I am Robert Pate, president and founder of The Image Program. Today is November 4th, 2018, and you are in for a great show this morning. We have president and founder of Platinum Cuts Barbershop, Robert Presswood, in the house. We also have Dewana Bradley, who is the president and founder of Urban Magazine and Urban Media. She is also a publisher, and we have Joanna Davis. Pastor Joanna Davis is with us as well. Uh, We're going to do things a little different this morning. We're going to start off with biblical principles as me and Joanna Davis speak on the topic of forgiveness. Joanna, it is a pleasure to have you in the house again. How was your week? Wonderful. Um, Matter of fact, it's been been awesome. Great. Well, I guess we uh, can go ahead and break right in. You want to start off with a word of prayer? Absolutely. Would you like to lead us or would you like for me to? Go right ahead. Okay. Let's bow our head and close our eyes. Dear Lord, gracious Father, we thank you again for another marvelous show. Uh, We thank you for what you've been doing on the Image Show. We thank you for what you've been doing in our lives in the community of Des Moines. Uh, We thank you for all the people that have come on and shared their testimonies, dear Lord. And we just ask, dear Lord, that you continue to water all the seeds that we've planted on this show through the sick, uh, through the abused, through the homeless, through the incarcerated, dear Lord. We just ask that the seeds continue to be watered in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, Joanna, uh, you said that you wanted to start off in Matthew uh, chapter 18 and verse 21, dealing with forgiveness. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Well, uh, go ahead and take the show. Okay. Wonderful. I do want to talk just a little bit about the forgiveness and how important it is to forgive others as we have truly been forgiven by the blood of Christ. Uh, He's given us grace and mercy, and he's always able to help us to um, start a new relationship with him. Um, It's important that we learn to repent and um, understand that we've been given the full forgiveness of our sins because of the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In light of uh, trying to start a new beginning, God has a, a command that is very, very important. And that command is, is that we have to learn to forgive others. And the reason is, is because he's done that for us. And the thing about forgiveness is, is that yes, it does cause us pain and um, it hurts us. And most of the time it's from people that uh, we trust, people we love and people that we spent a lot of time doing things for. But the pain of living with unforgiveness uh, creates bitterness and unforgiveness that can poison our soul and destroy us. My, oh my. And I know how that feels from experience. I tell you, this is really a great topic. Would you like for me to read verse 21 of Matthew chapter 18? Absolutely. Okay. It says, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answers, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Now, Joanna, me and you had spoke briefly about the meaning of verses 21 and 22. Oftentimes, we look at that number seven times or 77 times as literally that amount of times. Yes, yes. It is uh, my spiritual understanding that Jesus was making a point here that the amount of times that you forgive your brother is unlimited. 
Absolutely. He has a mathematical equation that doesn't always make sense to us. But what he's really saying is, you know, 77 times seven is like 490 times a day. And in in other words, he's done that for us. So we have to think of forgiveness like when God forgives us throughout the day, we need to learn how to do that same forgiveness with other people. Forgiveness is not keeping score. It's actually losing count. Amen. 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 We tend to count on, you know, um, how much people hurt us instead of forgiving and learning to move forward. One of the things that I think is important when we think about forgiveness is really understanding what Jesus was also saying in Matthew 6, 14. And what he was saying there was, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others of their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. And I can relate to this so well, just because I have burnt so many bridges uh, throughout my life. And a lot of times I think to myself, God, if you can forgive me for the sins that I have committed, then not only will I forgive others who have sinned against me, but I pray that the people that I have sinned against would forgive me. And I tell you, after spending 11 consecutive years in prison and getting out it seems like the burden has been lifted from the people that I've burnt some bridges with. It seems like they've ha- they've forgiven me. Yes. And the last thing that I ever want to do is go back down that path and burn those bridges again because of the the burden and the stress that comes along with, you know, just knowing that you feel like you haven't been forgiven. Yes, absolutely. And I also think, too, one of the things that has God has taught me about forgiveness is there's really no reason to hold unforgiveness in your heart towards someone because what you're really doing is you're allowing that whatever somebody has done to you or whatever you've done to them, you're enslaved to, to that person. You're enslaved to that situation or that problem. And really to serve God, we have to serve God in freedom because the Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And with that being said is forgiveness is part of the spirit. It's it's God's character. It's what he does. And that's what we are. Re- we're, we're required to forgive others as well. So, Pastor Davis, I have a question. Why is it so hard for us to forgive other people when they sin against us? But yet we get on our knees and ask God for forgiveness and right away, bam, he forgives us. But we have such a hard time forgiving others. Well, I truly believe the reason why it's hard is because we have not allowed God to really remove those things that are not of him. One of the things that I think is important is when we focus on Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31, it says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. So he's given us instructions on really how to overcome unforgiveness. It's really true. Truly a part of a choice. I mean, we have to make the decision. It's a heart condition. You know, I always tell people all the time, you know, our heart, you know, the Bible is very clear that what a man think in his heart, so is he. And so it's it's all about transformation. It's all about getting in the word of God, spending time with God, understanding who we are in him and who we are in him is forgiveness. We're, 
if we really truly want to walk in his light, if we really want to represent the kingdom of God and do the things that God has required of us, then we have to allow him to come into our heart and remove those pains and remove those hurts. And it's it's surrendering to him, surrendering ourselves and committing ourselves to him. Amen. You know, as you're talking about this, I go back to a lot of my uh, younger days when I first started dating and committing fornication and kind of living the street life. And I thought that it was cool to have sex outside of your girlfriend or to, you know, get involved with another female while you already have one. You know, my brothers, uncles, you know, they all kind of gave me the thought that having two or three girlfriends was the cool thing to do. Mm -hmm. As I got older, I realized that I was actually hurting my girlfriend's feelings by having sex with other women. Now, in God's eyes, it's all wrong. Premarital sex is wrong. It's fornication, adultery. It's it's bad. Okay? Yes, yes. On the flip side, growing up, I couldn't f- distinguish the difference between the fornication and the adultery. I had no idea that that even existed. What I thought was that having sex with another female while I had a girlfriend was cool. After maturing and growing up, I realized that not only was I committing fornication, but I was hurting my girlfriend's feelings by sharing my body with another woman while I was committed to her. Now, when she did this to me, it broke my heart because I thought that it was okay for men to do it, but women couldn't do it. So after I grew up and realized, hey, this is not only wrong morally, but from a mature man's standpoint, it's you're hurting someone's feelings and you're burning a bridge. Now you have to go back and ask for forgiveness for something. And it takes so long to heal those wounds when someone cheats on you. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about forgiveness, I know that a lot of people are going through this right now with a boyfriend and a girlfriend and the whole cheating thing. Now, how does this relate to the forgiveness and how do you tie this in with the broken heart? Well, I think the first stage is to understand um, God, your position with God and know that, first of all, you know, there really isn't any such thing as boyfriend and girlfriend in the Bible. That's right. As and much as it... Now, now, Joanna, I'm just looking here. It looks like we are running out of time. We got to go to a quick commercial break and then we'll come back sure. and talk about this, okay? Okay. We'll be back after these messages, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, you're tuned into The Image Show on 98.3 The Vibe. And we're back on 98.3 The Vibe. Joanna Davis, Biblical Principles. We're talking about forgiveness, boyfriend and girlfriend, relationships, cheating, and how the whole forgiveness deal can turn into uh, a mess. So, Joanna, can we pick up where we left off? Sure. As I was saying before, I think it's an, it's important for people to understand God's um, his design. And his design was not to actually for us to have boyfriends and girlfriends, but we were to become one as husband and wife. And so first of all, when we're not in that type of covenant or relationship, then we've already opened the door to pain, hurt, distrust, all those things that come along with um, sin. And as much as people think that that's okay, um, it it just isn't. And I do believe that if we're going to get back to the biblical principle, back to the, um, the, the truth of God's word, then we need to 
understand that um, if you're in a relationship, you know, when you make when you choose to have a partner, I would hope that you're seeing that partner as your future husband or wife so that you have a healthy relationship and that it would not only be healthy, but it would be biblical. And uh, you were saying earlier about, you know, how this relationship or relationships, you know, the cheating and the hurting and the lying and all those things, you know, forgiveness um, is is definitely something that I believe every person in the world um, needs to have a better understanding in because we live in a world that it's okay to uh, be angry at people. It's okay to, you know, not be honest and, and do things against each other when God never created us to be that way. He created us to love one another as he has loved us. Yeah, and we also live in a world where it's okay for the man to cheat, but if the woman does it, then it's some huge problem. And I was completely ignorant toward this whole uh, understanding growing up. Like I said, you know, I watched a lot of my friends. I watched a lot of my family members. And uh, it was just the thing that I thought was the, the right thing to do was to have two or three girlfriends. And so I know that I'm not the only one that thinks like this. And most men out there, you know, until they've actually been heartbroken by a woman, they still go through the same drama and, yes. you know, kind of yes. the same skilo. So what do you think uh, needs to be addressed for our society as far as uh, this this is concerned? It's, it's an epidemic. Obviously, a lot of our kids are growing up thinking that it's okay for the man to cheat, but the woman can't. Well, you know, when I think about even myself growing up, I thought those same things were okay too, Robert. I had many relationships uh, and different things that, um, you know, I hurt people um, and people hurt me and and it was a really long process to heal. And so... um, now that I'm walking with the Lord and I'm married and I'm faithful to my husband and my husband is faithful to me, we realize that all we can do is be a light to the world and be that example to others about what it truly is to um, have healthy marriage, healthy relationships. Yes, um, it is an epidemic in the world, but it is one that I truly believe that the church, um, the people of God, uh, we continue to be the light. We continue to teach. We continue to love. Uh, We continue to apply mercy and grace um, to the lives of people. If you're a parent and you're in a relationship that um, is not uh, honoring to God, I I would encourage you to make it right before God. If if marriage is in the plan, it's time to make sure that you make that right before the Lord. I would speak to the men out there. If you see uh, the young lady that you're with um, being someone that you're choosing to be with, Um, for the rest of your life, then you need to make it right. You need to make her an honest woman. You need to, um, you know, do what's just do what's right. And what's right is whatever doing what's right is, is spending that time with God and understanding who you are and who that person is to God as well and honor them, love them and cherish them um, the way that God does that for us. Oh, good. And so now I want to get back to this forgiveness because one of the uh, questions that I, I had that related to this boyfriend and girlfriend or husband and wife cheating on one another is it's so hard for the other one to forgive. I mean, if, you know, your girlfriend cheats on you, it's the, the normal manhood way to think is that, oh, I can't forgive her now because she just uh, violated uh, rule number one. So now the Bible tells us that you are to forgive. So why is it so hard to forgive someone who commits 
an act like cheating rather than uh, someone who maybe steals something from you or you know does something to you uh, either physically or emotionally but I mean I mean in a, in a normal sense it just seems like it's just so hard to forgive someone who's cheated on you well I believe the only reason why it's hard to forgive is because of the lack of relationship that one person has with God because once you have a relationship with God you take on his character and his character is forgiveness and so someone that doesn't have that relationship with God they're not going to be able to forgive because anything outside of um, the right you know righteousness and holiness you're not going to be able to tap into that understanding amen and you know the closer that I get to God each day, each year, the more I'm able to see the reflection of him work inside of me. And that's why I've been able to forgive. So I'm speaking from experience when I say this. You know, I've mentored a lot of people in prison, a lot of people uh, with broken hearts mm-hmm. who the one of their main problems, it came behind a female. Yes, yes. And most of the time that came behind uh, they were either nervous, wondering if the girl was cheating on them, or and they, they probably had kids by them. But and I'm thinking to myself, okay, one of the one of the questions I always asked was, if you did find out she was cheating on you, could you forgive her for that? And if they were able to say yeah, then I would say, well, then it sounds like you've got something there that you can work with. You've got someone there that you can build a relationship with. You know because. The reality is, is that nine times out of 10, when an inmate was in prison and he came to me with a broken heart because of his girlfriend, she was cheating on him. (laughs) I mean, it is Mm -hmm. what it is. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I had to always ask the question, you know, can you forgive her? Is this someone that you really love? I mean, it happened to me. You know, I've been on both sides of it. I've done it. And then a lot of times I'll even ask uh, the inmate, well, did you cheat on her? And a lot of times, the, the person will be dishonest and probably say no. And sometimes they would say yeah. And sometimes they couldn't figure out why it was okay for them to do it. But when it came time for her to do it, it was a problem. Yes. And again, I mean, it's we are talking about relationships as far as boyfriend, girlfriend, that kind of thing. But I, I think it's still we can we can use that and, and bring that into a bigger um, understanding. I mean, it, it's hurt, downright hurt. Um, and most of the time, unforgiveness is created by someone that has hurt us, someone that we loved, someone that we trusted and, and someone that we probably helped out. Again, it, it's it's something that I I truly believe that until you have that relationship with the Lord. I didn't do it. I didn't forgive until my relationship was established with God because I didn't even have that understanding that 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 even existed. I thought that I was going to live with that pain and that hurt for the rest of my life. But once I, again, had that relationship with God, started understanding who I was in Him, I was able to forgive people. I was able to forgive um, just everything. And in the same breath, I was also able to admit that I had hurt somebody too. Amen. That was great, Joanna. Listen, hey, this was a great topic. And I think a lot of people out there can relate to our conversation this morning as uh, it involves forgiveness and both relationships, because I think one of the major issues out there when it comes to forgiveness deals with relationships. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Whether it's, like you said, boyfriend, girlfriend, mother, son, father, son, um, you know, family, it, it relationship um, in general. I mean, it's 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 it is an epidemic. We've got people that have lifelong hurts um, because of uh, allowing unforgiveness to be the root and not deal with it. Amen. Joanna, I suppose we should end in our prayer. Absolutely. How about you, Lita, since I uh, began? I can do that. Wonderful. Father, we thank you for this time on the air. We thank you, Lord, for the listeners out there. We ask God that those that are, are listening in, that they would see the importance of learning to forgive one another as you have forgiven us, dear Lord. Father, that your plans for them are to have a life and, and that they would walk in forgiveness and that they would be the light of the world. And so, Father, we pray for those um, right now. We pray, God, that they would be healed, delivered, and set free. If there is anyone out there that does not know the Lord, now is the time to come to the Lord. Now is the time to ask for forgiveness. Now is the time to say, Jesus, I want you to come into my life. I want you to heal my hurt and my pain. And I want to live for you. And I want to live that life that you promised me, the life that Jesus died for. And so, Father, we thank you for those that are out there that are right now receiving you as their Lord and Savior. And we give you all the glory. We give you you all the praise in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And coming up next, we'll speak with Robert Presswood, a.k.a. Big Rob, a.k.a. Peaches, Platinum Cuts Barbershop, after these messages. Ladies and gentlemen, you're tuned into The Image Show on 98.3 The Vibe. I am Robert Pate, president and founder of The Image Program. And on today's show, we have a special guest, Robert Presswood, the president and founder of Platinum Cuts Barbershop. Rob, it's a pleasure to have you in the house today. Thanks, Bob. And I appreciate you having me on the uh, Emma show today. Now, Rob, first of all, I just want to start out. You've had a lot of great success. You moved here from Fort Dodge to Des Moines in, what'd you say, 1994? Yeah, it was around 94, 95. Okay. And I've noticed not only uh, are you the owner of Platinum Cuts Barbershop, but you are also a entrepreneur. I know that you have won a multitude of hair shows so you have some great talent in your passion of cutting hair. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Well, when I first started, graduated from school, uh, I got the opportunity to work at Tony Mack's Barbershop. So that was my mentor. When I got the opportunity to open up my own barbershop, that was around 2001. When I started, we had four chairs and I eventually grew the business to where now we have 10 chairs. So during that time, I have opened up two other barbershops. And, you know, since then, I you know, during this time, I've been traveling around the country, competing in uh, barber shows, also educating other uh, students. Being a barber has definitely uh, changed my life to where I've been blessed to uh, help others. But the most important thing is, you know, being able to open up doors where barbers are able to, you know, build a clientele up and be able to have a, a career. That's great. And I also know not only do you cut hair, Rob, but you put on these uh, performance shows. You had one just recently. And can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, the last show I just put on was the Clash of the Clippers Expo. This was my fifth show that I put on. I started the show 
goals because I was I was a competitor. And um, being a competitor and competing against barbers from around the country, some of the rules I didn't like are I felt like the prize money wasn't right or, you know, it was favoritism when it came to judging. So that convinced me to do my own show. And plus, I, I kind of like just being behind the scene and getting that experience as well. The first show that I put on was at the Hoyt Sherman. So it was like bringing some talent to the ones that was never done on that level to where we had barbers compete for cash. And it was small. That was my first one. Then um, the next year, it grew a little bit bigger to where I did a competition between the salons. And um, they competed for uh, a cash prize. And um, first place got cash. We gave out trophies and awards. And um, and we was able to uh, showcase some of the salon's talent to the city of Des Moines. I know also that you not only put on these shows, but you've also performed and have taken first place. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I mean, how many first place trophies do you got, Rob? Oh, wow. Um, I would say over 30, somewhere in the 30, 35 mark. Wow. Um, one of the biggest uh, competitions that I, I did was in, in Atlanta at the Brano Brothers. And um, usually in that show, it's over about 40 to 60 competitors. So when you win that show, it, it means a lot. So that competition in Atlanta, when I won that one, that was like, you know, I finally won. It took me like three times to get it, but, you know, I did it. The other shows, you know, that I did, you know, are another one that was a big one was Proud Lady. I did the Texas International Show, received a, a legendary award out of Chicago. There's, there's, you know, I, the list goes on. I could keep going on with it. Another a great award that I received was being nominated for one of the top 50 barbers in the nation. So I definitely um, put my work in. and uh, But the m- most part, Bob, is, you know, this is something I like to do. I do it for the bragging rights. I do it to receive the cash, the trophies, the awards. But uh, it's the whole, the whole feeling of it, you know, the whole experience of just preparing before I even travel to the city. You know, I got to prep up my model, figure out what hotel I want to stay in and you know, it's, it's all about the experience. Well, it sounds exciting, Rob. And I know that your name has been talked about in a lot of different positive ways in what you're doing in the community. I know that there's been uh, sessions that you've given away free haircuts to guys coming out of prison to uh, back to school dances or back to school activities. And I know that you've also have been known to be a very generous person. So I just want to say, not only are we happy here to have you on the show, but it sounds like your passion has led you into not only the direction that you're looking for occupation, but it's helping others. Yes. No, I always had a big heart, Bob. You know, I, I don't mind giving back to the community or mind helping somebody. I'm a real spiritual person, so I felt like we should be uh, able to help people out here, you know, just like there's somebody that helped me to get where I'm at. And that's what it's, that's what it's about, reaching out to the people that are, you know, down on the bottom and lifting them up, giving them a hand, helping them up and step up to the next level. That's great. And now, Rob, I know that you've never been to prison. Uh, You were telling me about that briefly a while back. However, you have had some incidences where you've came very close. How does it feel, first of all, to know that you've kind of been on both sides of the field? Do you think that made you more hungrier to fight for your success? 
as as your dreams and your goals and your visions? Uh, do you think that that maybe has uh, played a huge part uh, in your success? Or do you think the fact that uh, you haven't been uh, to prison, that that makes it probably a little bit harder for you to break through the barriers in the area that you cut hair in? Because you're right there in the hood of Des Moines. I mean, uh, what's the address? 2301 University Avenue. Okay. And I know that that's not probably the most pleasant place to have a barbershop as far as the behavior in the neighborhood is concerned. But can you just tell us a little bit about how your role in overcoming incarceration has played? Yes, I could say this. Uh, it definitely had a major effect in my life coming from the background of my childhood, seeing friends getting hit with 15 to 20 years taken away from their life seeing people uh, on drugs and losing everything that they had. Being a young kid at that time, even though I was been through like five different, you know, detention centers, group homes, myself, that right there kind of hit a a switch in my my head. And and I told myself, something got to change. And that's when I made that move back in 1994, 95. Actually, when I came down here, it was a, a group called Independent Living called Phase 1, Phase 2. So basically, that just taught you how to live on your own. And I was going through this program while I was going through high school. So I was playing sports. I would wake up, go to school. After school, I would go to practice. After practice, I'd go to work. That was my schedule every day. Went through that until I uh, completed the program. And that's when I decided, trying to, you know, I went through like a year or two trying to figure out what I wanted to do in my life. And um. That's when I decided to go to barber school. But to answer your question, that, yeah, that that was the draw right there when I started seeing my friends and just seeing how the drugs and the gangs was corrupting my community, my family. Um, you know, so my family, you know, where I came from during that time, it was just that's what it was, you know. That's what we knew. And even some of the people that went in and prison and came back out, that's what they did. You know, we didn't have no other opportunities at that time, as I felt. Like, I felt like even when I did a go apply for the job, I didn't get the fair shake. So, and that was the reason why I went to barber school, for I could create my own opportunity to where I didn't have to depend on somebody. You know, I, I made my own. I made my own. You know, I made my own path. And being from Fort Dodge, do you think that you would have ever been able to achieve your success that you have now if you would have stayed in Fort Dodge? Um, I don't think so, Bob. You know, growing up in uh, Fort Dodge is, you know, we got a, you know, Pleasant Valley was a small community at that time. But like I said, the resources wasn't there for me. My vision, I felt like was bigger in my surroundings around me wasn't positive you know it was a lot of negativity you know sooner or later you know I just I felt towards more of the negative than the positive because it wasn't that much positive going around me wherever I went it was negative it wasn't too many positive leaders you know it was either you was hustling or you was out there partying I mean it was it was everything negative was was accepted so how were you able to transform the negative of Fort Dodge into the positive of Des Moines? I mean, you left Fort Dodge to come to Des Moines, and you were were you instantly put in a positive position? Would you say this is what helped you stay on this supportive track, or do you think that it was just somehow 
uh, the luck of the draw? It was. It was. I wouldn't say it was luck. It was a choice. A choice that I made to make a change. When I made that choice and started, you know, just being positive and and, and praying, you know, where I was at in that life. I was praying at the time during that life. I mean, at the time. And what happened was, um, as I was praying, doors started open up for me. And when those doors open up, you know, I took advantage of that. So it sounds to me like your spiritual life is what put you on the right path. So I say this because there are probably people wondering, well, if he was praying and doing this is what ultimately led him to his change in Des Moines, how come he didn't do it in Fort Dodge? Was there obstacles that you had to go over in order to really break the airwaves of just maybe clearing up some space in your mind, in your head? I mean, what led to this change? Well, you know, like I said, I always had God in my life. Spiritually, I just felt like this was God, this was part of God's plan, you know. And like I said, you know, we all got choices. And like the old saying, they say, if you want something different, you have to do something different. So at that time in my mind, I felt like it was time for me to, to leave. You know, I'm a, I'm a people person. My hometown, what, a population of, what, 20,000 people, maybe? 2,000 people that look like me. When I first, uh, you know, and I just felt like it was more for me to see. Like, you know, like I outgrew for Dodge. You know, my vision was, my dream was big. And, and I, I, I wanted to move to a bigger city at that time, too. So there's, there's a lot of things that played a part. Well, Rob, I tell you, not only are you a personal friend, but you have done some great things, made great changes in the community. And I want to not only say thank you, keep up the good work, continue on your spiritual path, but it was a pleasure to have you on the show today. And we look forward to having you back. All I can do is take my hat off to you. Is there anything you'd like to say? Yeah, I appreciate that too, Bob. Yes, there's a, a one thing I want to say. Uh, like I said, you know, we we do a lot of things as far as doing, giving back to the community. We have a, a project we're doing this month for November where we do a turkey drive. Last year we did the food drive and it was a success. Like I said, man, I love giving back, doing, giving back to the community, reaching out to the people, giving back. So yeah. If you want to drop off a turkey at 2301 at Platinum Cuts, that'll be love. And uh, Bob, appreciate you uh, for having me on the Emma Show. And I'm um, looking forward to doing, you know, coming back on here and chopping it up and sharing our experience. All right. Praise God. Well, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Robert Presswood. President and founder of Platinum Cuts Barbershop. Coming up next on The Image Show, we're going to speak with Dewana Bradley. Dewana is the daughter of Pastor Rod Bradley. Dewana is also the owner of Iowa Urban Media. Dewana has made extremely great strides and success in the Des Moines community. She is also the executive director of Iowa Juneteenth. So we will be back after these messages to speak with Dewana and talk about her story and her success as it relates to positive change in the community. Welcome back. It's Sunday morning, November 4th. You're tuned into The Image Show on 98.3 The Vibe. And sitting in the studio next to me is Dewana Bradley. Dewana is the daughter of Pastor Rod Bradley, and she is also the owner of Iowa Urban Media. 
Dewana is the editor and publisher for Urban Experience Magazine, and she is also the executive director for Iowa Juneteenth. Dewana, it is a pleasure to have you on The Image Show. Dewana, it is a pleasure to have you on The Image Show. I want to first start off, uh, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself, your story, and how you created this legacy? Well, I am the preacher's daughter, as as you um, said in my introduction, and I am just a regular person uh, with the dream to make an impact in my community and empower people through uh, the magazine that we have. I am a former teacher for Des Moines Public Schools. I taught there for seven years working with students who were just a little bit behind in reading. So I was an interventionist, did that all seven years that I was there. Absolutely loved working with children, loved making an impact on their lives. And they also made an impact on my life. So loved learning from them and the different staff that I would work with in the various buildings um, that I was in. Got the opportunity to start the magazine. It was an idea of my father's who started the Communicator newspaper years ago. I remember being a little girl watching him put the magazine together and getting up in the middle of the night and being there to support him, not really knowing what he did and and really the impact that he was making at that young age, but knowing that he truly was making a difference. And he brought the idea to me around a time that um, we were going through. My kids had lost their father. He was actually murdered. And um, my dad brought this idea to me around that time. And I was really kind of thinking, you know, is this something that I really want to jump into? And, you know, my father, I feel like he's made great sacrifices for me um, growing up. And so if this was a vision that he had and a dream that he had and God telling him that this was going to be successful and we needed to do it, then I trusted him wholeheartedly. And so so came the Des Moines Urban Experience is how we started. We actually started as a nonprofit, creating a magazine that just told positive news. I was very frustrated with mainstream media and just seeing how people of color were portrayed. And it bothered me because that's not who we are. And so I had an opportunity to create a publication that hopefully tells a different story, who shows us in a different light and also um, shows me as a woman of color being able to run a media company, not really having the skill set as far as the degree to be able to do that. But with my background and the things that I've been involved with and having my father on my side, who has definitely been in the journalistic world, in the printing world, being able to create something that I believe that the community is proud of. Great. And I've got a question for you that a lot of us will want to know the answer to, and that is, what is urban media? So um, our urban media is just the media company that we've created. We're not only looking at just having a magazine. We're hoping one day to get involved with radio, to be able to do podcasts and to kind of do other things, um, publish other publications as well. So we knew that Urban Experience Magazine wasn't going to be the only thing that we accomplished. So we felt that it was right to create a media company because we also offer website services, Um, printing services as well. So the name of your magazine that comes out is called Urban Experience. Is Mm -hmm. that correct? That is correct. And how often does this magazine come out? This is a monthly publication. Okay. And where is it distributed to? It is distributed in over 30 churches and over 30 outlets throughout the city of Des Moines, West Des Moines, Johnston, and Urbandale. So if someone out there wants to uh, be a subscriber or would like to get this magazine, how would they go about obtaining it? They would be able to contact me, D-W-A-N-A-B-R-A-D-L-E-Y, all one word, 77, at gmail.com. 
And Dewana, now this magazine has, I've read it and it's very interesting. What are some of the different features that the magazine displays? We have a variety of things. For me, it was important to show the things that are important to African-Americans. And with that, we have combined all of that together. So we have a religion in there. I think that's a a big foundation for a lot of us. So we we promote that, talk about um, uplifting articles to help you in your spiritual journey. We also cover health topics related to us and things that you need to know. We have some articles that are on education, some that are on history. So we offer a wide variety of topics, fashion as well. So we just kind of cover a wide variety of topics that we think that individuals would be interested in. And not only um, us as well, but highlighting our community to the greater Des Moines area. So if someone wants to be a part of an article or they have a story, do you uh, how do you go about recruiting stories? The beauty of the magazine is that everything that is comes into me is submission based, which is great. We don't have a great large staff to be able to go out and cover everything. So we have people that just really want to be highlighted and want people to hear what they have to say. And that's the beauty of the magazine is the submissions that we get. And we have grown definitely over the years. So anyone that is interested in writing for the magazine, I ask that you send your articles to the email that I gave earlier. Also, we can sit down and we can kind of discuss. I have some people who always say, I want to write, but I don't quite know what I want to write. And so I'm always open to be able to sit down and talk you through that process to see See if we can figure out and just pinpoint what you would like to focus on. That sounds great. And when or how often do your uh, magazines come out? We come out monthly and we ask that anything that is submitted to the publication get to us by the 15th of each month. And if you're advertising in the magazine, we ask for that to come by the 20th of each month. Great. And I want to talk now a little bit about your position as executive director for Iowa Juneteenth. What is Juneteenth for all of those out there who may not know? So Juneteenth is a celebration of freedom in 1865. The Emancipation Proclamation was um, written, excuse me, 1863. The proclamation uh, declared slaves were free and the communication did not get to everyone in Galveston, Texas. It took two and a half years later, June 19th, 1865 is when they received word that they were free and as most people, when you hear of your freedom, we have some sort of celebration. And so they celebrated on that day. And that's where we get the word Juneteenth from because they celebrated on the 19th of June, 1865, Galveston, Texas. Wow. And how did you learn all this? I just learned it by once we got custodianship of it. So I am very honest and I tell this to everyone that I talk to. I really wasn't involved with Juneteenth in the past. Uh, Juneteenth has been celebrated in the city of Des Moines now going on its 29th year. I have to say growing up, I was the typical teenager really about myself doing my own thing. So while these celebrations were taking place, they were nothing that I was a part of. It was when Gary Lawson, who ran Iowa Juneteenth for the last 25 years, came to us. Um, in mid-2015 saying that he was ready to retire and he remembered an encounter that he had with my father and felt like I would be the person that it would be in great hands with. And so it was at that moment that I started to research Juneteenth and what it was all about and begin to embrace the ideas of it. And we received custodianship of that October of 2015. 
That is amazing. And it's obvious that you have done your homework and have the history on Juneteenth. And I think that that's very interesting, uh, not just to me, but mm-hmm. I think a lot of people need to understand what Juneteenth is about because we've heard that growing mm-hmm. up as kids. Uh, we've participated in Juneteenth events. But when it comes to the understanding of really knowing what it is, what it means, right. what it stands for, most of us don't have that information. So mm-hmm. thank you. And Dewana, what did it take to prepare for the food vendors, for the entertainment, for all of the different uh, parts that came along with having Juneteenth? Really, a lot of sleepless nights. I'll tell you that. I'm really just trying to get the vision in mind. So each year, I kind of I do envision what I would like to see at Juneteenth and what I think people in the community would like. So really, what I do, like I said, is each year that it's over, I go right into thinking, okay, so what's the next year going to look like? Each year, we try to add something a little bit different to Juneteenth. So we we've had the Gospel Fest that we have started to really intertwine with um, Iowa Juneteenth, but it takes a lot of preparation. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of commitment um, to put on something on that grand of a scale. A lot of people think that not too much goes into that, but you really have to go through. I speak to a lot of people. I have to get sponsors. Uh, This is not an organization where we have millions of dollars to be able to put on this for the community each year, but it is because of the sponsors that really come alongside of us and, and give us the monies that we need to be able to throw a great celebration. So really Juneteenth wouldn't exist if it wasn't for the sponsors that come through um, for us each and every year to make it a great success. And Dewana, if there is someone out there that would like to donate, if there's a company, uh, an individual that would like to donate to Juneteenth, how would they go about doing that? I would encourage you to look at our website. It's iowajuneteenth.com. That's I-O-W-A-J-U-N-E-T-E-E-N-T-H.com. And on there, you can find out more information about who we are and what we do. And we also do have a section there for sponsorships and also a section there for you to be able to contact me if you'd like to discuss Iowa Juneteenth further. Well, that's great. Hey, Dewana, it's been a pleasure to have you on the Image Show. I'm good friends with your dad, and he's a great man. He's helped me out a lot. Uh, he's been a mentor to me, and I just can't say enough about him. Obviously, he's raised his kids a lot better than what I'm doing. <laughs> but Thank you. Uh, you know, I, I appreciate you coming in, and I just want to say I, I hope that you continue the success and uh, continue to keep making positive changes in the community. So, Dewana Bradley, ladies and gentlemen, on The Image Show. Dewana, is there anything you'd like to say before you depart from the studio? I would just like to thank The Image Show for having me and just hearing me out, and I just would like to encourage the community to continue to support businesses and continue to support the magazine and support Iowa Juneteenth as well. Thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll be back after these messages. You're tuned into The Image Show.